everyone, it's Gloria, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of Misfit Independent. Denise is back as we continue our conversation on buying a property. This week, we chat about getting a real estate agent, closing the deal, unexpected home expenses, and also get a little into house hacking. Hope you enjoy! Denise is back this week, and we continue our conversation about buying a property. Last week, we covered everything about a mortgage, saving for a down payment, as well as the home buyer's plan that is available for first-time home buyers. So let's just get right back into the conversation. So we got our pre-approval on our mortgage. So now we're going to start looking around for homes. Do you think it's a good idea to get a real estate agent to help us with this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As a buyer, there is really no downside to getting a real estate agent. As a buyer, you don't actually pay a real estate agent anything. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So they work for you for free? So what happens in a real estate agent transaction is that the seller will engage a selling real estate agent and typically fees for a home sale in like a big city like Toronto is 5% of the overall sale of the home. So the selling agent would get 2.5% and then the seller would pay the buying agent 2.5%. So the seller is um, responsible for the commission, basically. Right. The seller is responsible for the commission. In the event, if a buyer walks up with no agent, it's very possible that the seller is still obligated to pay 5%, but directly to their selling agent and the buyer doesn't get anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's probably a good idea to get a real estate agent that's aligned with your interests and understands fully what you want so that you're getting good listings and you're getting things that you're actually interested in. Mm -hmm. Something that's also really important too is if you are looking for a home and you are shopping around, you can engage a realtor as a buyer to Or you can engage multiple realtors as a buyer to help you with looking in different areas. Let's just say you're not committed to one area and you might want to look at Markham, but you also want to look at Ajax and you might also want to look at Mississauga. You might have a huge range of geographical areas to look for a home. You can have conversations with realtors in multiple areas uh, without being committed to one. I will say that you know, it is important not to string someone along because it is their job. So good to draw the line if you feel like you're no longer interested in their services, that you let them know and you cease the uh, relationship without essentially using up more time than you need to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. As something else that's important uh, to understand as a buyer is that there is something called a buyer representation agreement, a BRA. This is a contract that will bind you to work exclusively with one real estate brokerage for an agreed amount of time. As a buyer, you are not obligated to sign a buyer representation agreement, even if your realtor recommends that you do. This will enable you to walk away from an agent if you're still getting to know them if you're not sure you want to go with them to commit to a sale yeah that's really good to know because I think if someone kind of put that in front of me and said oh you need to sign this I'd be like okay 
Another thing to think about is some real estate agents will do a small percentage of cash back. Could be for the buyer, could be for the seller. I would look for cash back real estate agents to get a little bit of money back. What does that mean? Essentially, it would be a real estate agent who agrees to, instead of taking like 2.5%, they'll take 2% and then give the buyer or the seller 0.5% back. Oh, interesting. Why do they do that? I think it depends on the market and how they want to win clients. Mm -hmm. So maybe multiple clients with a little bit of cash back makes up for less clients without cash back. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's kind of just like a a marketing tactic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. So next let's talk about buying a new home versus a pre-owned home. Yeah. So a pre-owned home is called a resale home. And what are some of the main differences between a new home and a resale home? Buying a new home typically comes with a Tarion warranty, which is a new home warranty, part of the new home warranty program that covers up to $300,000 worth of, I guess, incidentals. This is really important if you are buying a brand new home or a fairly new home, that Tarion warranty still applies. Mm-hmm. And what would that warranty cover? Things like broken pipes, like roof damage, things like that? So Tarion warranty is a one-year, two-year, or seven-year warranty that typically protects against structural uh, defects, can protect against uh, defects in electrical work, plumbing, heating, Uh, exterior work like brickwork, aluminum, or vinyl siding. And it can protect, again, if there's structural issues to your your home. So it's essentially if the builder didn't do a good job and things are falling apart. Yeah, like if your sink breaks, probably not covered by tearing warranty, but it might, you know, no no harm in asking. Yeah. But if if your sanitary drain backs up and there is an issue because it was installed incorrectly that potentially could be covered under Tarion warranty. So buying a a resale home, which essentially just means an older home. Lots of people do. It's, you know, quite common because most homes out there are older than one or two years old uh, essentially means that there is no warranty associated with the purchase of a home like that. So when purchasing a resale home, you just have to consider potential home expenses, uh, unexpected costs, depending on how old the home is. Yeah. And that's why it's a good idea to have an emergency fund so that you can pay for those unexpected expenses. Absolutely. So there's lots to talk about when it comes to real estate and things to consider. So when buying a resale home, it is important, if possible, to get a, an expe- inspection report done of the property, which essentially goes through a laundry list of key things that could potentially go wrong with the house, like, you know, what kind of wiring does it use? Um, does it seem structurally sound? As for what the inspector can see, is the plumbing up to date or is it older plumbing? How is the roof 
how is the exterior siding of the home things like that Mm -hmm. right because you never know like you can't really tell from looking at the house and you may not get all of these details from the seller so it's important to get this report Mm -hmm. so you really know what's going on Yeah, so the report will help with things that are obvious. However, a home inspector cannot open walls. They can't open drywall to see what's behind the walls. So it is important if you do go through with a sale of a resale home that you have an emergency fund for unexpected home costs. Right, because those can really add up. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got our real estate agent working for us, looking for listings. Are there any other expenses relating to the home that you wouldn't necessarily know about? Yeah, so one big expense, closing costs that is unfortunately non-negotiable is land transfer tax. Mm -hmm. So in Ontario, there is a marginal uh, land transfer tax calculation, which Gloria can link in the description for more details. Essentially, this means that as the price of the home gets more expensive, there is a percentage attributed to that home price that you have to pay in tax. If you live Mm -hmm. in Toronto, that land transfer tax is double. So Oh my going, gosh, that's crazy. I know. So going back to our example of the $650,000 home, land transfer tax in, you know, maybe GTA, but not Toronto, would be about $13,800. In Toronto, it would be double that. So that's... Right. And this is a one-time thing that you as pay a buyer. when you purchase the house as a buyer? Yeah. Okay. So if you were to buy that $650,000 home in Toronto, your land transfer tax would be $27,600, essentially. There are first-time homebuyer incentives relating to land transfer tax. The provincial incentive is up to $4,000 off of the land transfer tax, and the Toronto incentive is up to $4,475 in a rebate. Okay. And then how do people apply for this rebate? So this is important. Get a good real estate lawyer. A real estate lawyer will make sure that your land transfer tax is appropriately calculated and you pay that properly up front. They will make sure that any rebates you are eligible for, you will get deducted off of your land transfer tax. They will do something called a title search, which is maybe $500 to $1,000. It essentially runs the title of the previous owner through a record to make sure that there's no liens on the property. There's nothing sketchy with the previous ownership of the house. Mm -hmm. Without doing a title search, you could potentially be on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Don't want that. (laughs) Gotta do that title search. (laughs) Other costs that you may not realize could be costs like moving costs, like how much does it cost to rent 
uh, a van to help you move, storage costs if you can't move all of your furniture, mm-hmm. how much does it cost to store that for an extended period of time, if you're moving and you might be in limbo for a few months, a short-term rental. There's lots of additional costs that you have to budget for when looking for a home. It's not just the down payment. Mm-hmm. And another thing to note on that moving costs is it's really important to plan ahead, especially if you're going to be moving into a condo or something, you'll need to book the elevators and make sure that everything's in line with that and that the moving company can move you on or have appointment slots on the day that you're planning to move. Mm-hmm. And in terms of monthly costs, once you have your home, what are those like? What can those look like? Right. So if you're renting a condo or a townhouse, the first monthly cost you think of is the maintenance fee. So this maintenance fee covers the amenities of the property as well as just general upkeep of the property. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a maintenance fee does cover utilities. Sometimes it doesn't. It is good to look into that. Other monthly expenses include your property tax, utilities. So in Toronto, utilities include Toronto Hydro, which is electric, water and solid waste utility, as well as natural gas. If you purchase a house or a townhouse or a condo, usually on the listing, it may say if an appliance is rented. So that means your furnace, your hot water tank, or your boiler. and In those cases, if you are buying a property with a rented appliance, you must take on that rental contract. And once you take that on, you can choose to buy it out or continue with the rental contract. Mm -hmm. And what would buying it out look like? So a lot of these companies structure the rental contracts to be extremely unfavorable to buy it out early, where the penalty for buying out a contract could be you know, north of $1,000, depending on the age of the appliance. When I purchased my home, it had a hot water tank with a monthly rental of $26.99 plus tax, so 30 bucks. And the water tank was 11 years old. I called the vendor and essentially asked, okay, how much would it cost to buy it out right now? It was $330. Oh my gosh. That's so a deal. You th- <laughs> so you think, oh my God, $330, but If you look online at the cost of some of these appliances, like a hot water tank could be $1,000 to $2,000. Tankless ones are a little bit more expensive, but you do the math. The previous owner was paying $30 a month for 11 years for a hot water tank. So they're effectively paying $4,000 over the course of 11 years for appliance that actually would have cost maybe $1,500 to buy outright in the beginning. But then is renting more beneficial because it includes service, including if it breaks or something, then that is all included? Yeah, so it it is beneficial in that sense that it does include service fees in the event that it breaks. But let me ask you this, Gloria. Would you pay to rent your refrigerator? No. Would you pay to rent your dishwasher? No. If your refrigerator or your dishwasher breaks, what do you do? You fix it. You get someone to fix it if you can't fix it yourself. Exactly. So something like a furnace or a hot water tank, sure, it may seem scarier, but there are many qualified 
technicians who can come in and fix something at last minute. Fair enough. (laughs) And typically the one-time fee to fix something that breaks is less than the total cumulative monthly fee to rent it. Yeah. It's like they're not going to, you're probably not going to be incurring $2,000 worth of cost to fix your water tank. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's also opportunities for these types of appliances to get annual maintenance done for like $100 a year. So it's probably worth it just to do that and make sure everything's running well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Denise, is there anything that you wish you had known before purchasing your home? I think I didn't actually acknowledge how much unexpected costs a home ownership would be. Mm -hmm. I definitely ensured I had enough money in the event of a large expense outlay. But when I actually, you know, started living as a homeowner, I was like, wow, we had to do external waterproofing for our basement because we had water um, seeping in the basement. It is an older home. It is about 70 years old. And that was, you know, a one-time $8,000 cost. Did you say 70? Yes. Your house is 70 years old? What? That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. It's built in the 40s. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I feel like with an older home, there's a lot of things that'll come up that you're like, oh, like I didn't even know that this existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the newer the home is, the better it is in compliance with local codes. So a house that was built in you know, 2020 will have a lot more up to date, you know, um, structure and bones. Mm-hmm. All the electric will be copper. All of the plumbing will be PEX plastic, mm-hmm. you know, there no is lead nothing, pipes. <laughs> no lead pipes and the walls are properly insulated. Yeah. No asbestos, <laughs> mm-hmm. no asbestos. A lot of foundations are now concrete instead of block wall. So less gaps in your foundation. Mm-hmm. What does that do? Just like prevent your house from sinking. So older homes were just made with block wall which are just kind of rectangular blocks of cement or concrete, I think concrete, and built by like stacking blocks. Okay. Instead of just like concrete all the way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Something that also is a hack that I think a lot of millennials have been looking at is buying a property where they can comfortably get a roommate or they can rent out their basement as a secondary suite for additional income. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of house hacking where essentially they're able to do that. I've heard a lot of people buying duplexes where it's kind of like two separate units in one freestanding property, and they're able to get that other unit to completely pay for the mortgage because I guess the market is just like that crazy. That's really crazy. I do think that while being a landlord is not easy, so there's certainly things to consider with being a landlord, the benefits that you may reap from that may outweigh the costs of, you know, investing that time to being a landlord. Yeah. 
there's no such thing as easy money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to caveat, if you are looking to buy a property that has a secondary suite, just check the laws in your city for legal duplexes versus like illegal duplexes or apartments certain cities like toronto are a little bit more lax on the legality of a basement apartment but there are even cities around toronto like brampton where they're quite strict on not allowing illegal basement apartments and the city will come and tell you to rip out the stove out of the basement apartment what what is an illegal basement apartment? Like, I thought that if you own this home, you can do whatever you want with it. Is it just relating to the fact that you're renting it out? So there's actually a very large list of criteria for illegal basement apartment in Toronto. And it is quite extensive. I will kind of provide the main criteria so the minimum criteria for a legal basement apartment note this is in toronto so it might be different in a different city is that the house must be at least five years old the basement apartment must be smaller than the main dwelling minimum ceiling height is six foot five doors must be solid wood or metal and minimum thickness of 1.75 inches there must be two areas of exit for uh, I think 200 pound man to be able to get out of. So either two doors or a door and a big enough window. A bathroom must have either a window or a fan. All smoke alarms must be installed and maintained and a carbon monoxide alarm is required under many municipal bylaws. The 15 minute fire resistance rating I guess ceiling must be installed between the unit between the basement unit and the main floor unit interesting for someone considering purchasing a home what would be the key takeaways for them from this episode I would say do your homework look at how much houses or condos or townhouses cost in areas that you want to buy Look at how much you're making in a year, your annual gross income, your annual net income. Figure out after your mandatory expenses, how much can you save for that home and calculate how long it would feasibly take to save enough money for a down payment, given that we also provided insights about, you know, taking money out of your RRSP tax-free, as well as considering an insured mortgage, which is a lot less down payment than an uninsured mortgage. Mm -hmm. It's important to really look at those numbers now because I think you'll be surprised that the sooner you start saving, the sooner you can get into a position to be a homeowner. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of mortgage calculators and down payment savings calculators there um, uh, available on the internet. So you can just plug in certain things like how much you earn, your net worth, and then it'll pop out a number and the amount of money you need to save per month and the length of time. So I'll link in the show notes one that I found helpful. Hmm. Yeah. When actually when I bought 
my house before we even considered putting an offer on a property, I did a full spreadsheet where I took a mortgage calculator from the internet. I calculated what a potential mortgage monthly mortgage cost would be, but I also calculated what my land transfer tax would be, what my upfront costs would be, what any potential scares in terms of additional costs would be, as well as anticipated monthly costs. Figured out, okay, am I still in a comfortable position? Can I still be saving money, not be house poor, not have all of my money go towards my house and and live reasonably within my means? Yeah, I think it's so important, right? Because you want to find the right balance between being able to get that equity and get into the market, but also not have all of your money in that house so that you're literally eating beans and rice every day Mm -hmm. and like sleeping on the ground, Mm -hmm. but you have a roof over your head. Exactly. (laughs) If you're looking to supplement your income by purchasing a property with a secondary unit or get a roommate, just look at the laws of your city to see what is legal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that you may not know about that are illegal. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you, Denise, for joining me today. I certainly learned a lot. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. There is so much to learn about, about home buying, but I think we can boil down the crux of the episode is figure out how much it's going to cost and budget for everything. Budget for everything. Love it. As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.